I'd like to invite you to take your copy of God's Word, if you have it with you, and turn to Jeremiah chapter 35. We're going to be reading um, from the New Living Translation, Jeremiah chapter 35, verses 1 and 2, 5 to 7, and 12 through 19. Would you stand with me now in honor and reverence for the reading of the Word of God? This is the message the Lord gave Jeremiah when Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was king of Judah. Go to the settlement where the family of the Rechabites live and invite them to the Lord's temple. Take them into one of the inner rooms and offer them some wine. So I went and saw Jehazaniah, son of Jeremiah and grandson of Habezaniah, and all his brothers and sons representing... Oh, I'm... That's why I didn't know that word. I'm reading a part I wasn't going to, but let's go on to, uh, I was like, I don't remember having to go those long words. Go to verse 5. I set cups and jugs of wine before them and invited them to have a drink, but they refused. No, they said, we don't drink wine because of our ancestor, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. You and your descendants must never drink wine. And do not build houses or plant crops or vineyards, but always live in tents. If you follow these commands, you will live long, good lives in the land. And then down to verse 12. Then the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Go and say to the people in Judah and Jerusalem, come and learn a lesson about how to obey me. The Rechabites do not drink wine to this day. Because their ancestor, Jehonadab, told them not to. But I have spoken to you again and again, and you refuse to obey me. Time after time I sent prophets who told you, turn from your wicked ways and start doing things right. Stop worshiping other gods so that you might live in peace here in the land I have given to you and your ancestors. But you would not listen to me or obey me. The descendants of Jehonadab, son of Rechab, have obeyed their ancestor completely. But you have refused to listen to me. Therefore, this is what the Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Because you refuse to listen or answer when I call, I will send upon Judah and Jerusalem all the disasters I have threatened. And then Jeremiah turned to the Rechabites and said, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. You have obeyed your ancestor, Jehonadab, in every respect, following all his instructions. Therefore, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, says. Jehonadab, son of Rechab, will always have descendants who serve me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take um, this passage of Scripture, this word, and that you would make it come alive to us as we see what you are doing through your prophet and through the, through the Rechabite family. Uh, God, may we understand how our faithfulness and our obedience to you is important, not only to us, but to the generations that follow us. And God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, um, if I was to take a wild guess, I'm going to guess that none of you this past week, when you were doing your Bible study, your devotion time or whatever... I'm going to guess that none of you said, Lord, thank you for the Rechabites. You know, I, I, I don't imagine any of you were pondering on them, meditating on them, thinking about them this week, because they're, 
not somebody that we really think or hear a lot about. Um, in fact, um, they were somebody, they were a group of people that I had completely forgotten about. I was beginning to say, what am I going to preach for Advent? And I was looking at some suggested scriptures, and I read something a few chapters earlier, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to preach on that. And I just kind of kept going through Jeremiah, and I'm like, ooh, this is interesting. And so uh, we're going to talk about the Rechabites this morning. Now, in your bulletin, uh, there is an outline with some blanks. As I always tell you, if you like that kind of stuff, do it. If it's going to distract you and bother you and you're going to get all fed up that you missed a blank, don't do it, okay? We don't, we don't want anybody upset that way. But uh, it's in there. It's a bulletin insert uh, on one of those back pages. And there's several things there. Um, some, some history about these Rechabites that we want to go over really quickly. A, the first thing is the Rechabites are the descendants of Jehonadab. The Rechabites are the descendants of Jehonadab. Now, we could have called them the Jehonadabites, right? I mean, that could have been their name. But his father was Rechab, and it was easier for them to be called the Rechabites. So the Rechabites um, are, uh, are the descendants of Jehonadab. B, the Rechabites were forbidden to do the following things, to drink wine, plant crops or vineyards, or build houses. Now, this is very, uh, a very interesting uh, command here. And you have to understand, there were people in the Old Testament who were given special vows or special commands at certain times. You know, like someone might take a, a, a vow and they wouldn't cut their hair. That was part of their vow. Or, okay, I'm taking this vow and I will not drink for a certain amount of time while I'm in this vow. Or, you know, there were different types of vows. And while you were fulfilling that religious vow or that duty, you would do these things. But this was interesting because this happened to be something for an entire group of people. And it, these were not commands um, that were given for everybody. Now, it's really funny. If you go back and study history, I said none of us know about the Rechabites, but if we lived, say, 120 to 150 years ago, we would probably have heard of Rechabites. Because, in fact, in the temperance movement that came along in the mid-1800s and into the early 1900s, there were some people that said, oh, look at this, we like them. And they called themselves the Rechabites, and they went around telling people not to drink any alcohol. But I really would like to know if those Rechabites back then, if they also didn't plant any crops and they also lived in tents instead of buying houses. I didn't hear anything about that part of it. And so this is not just a don't drink wine. But it is a don't even plant a vineyard, don't even plant crops, and don't even build a house. You're going to live in a tent. Now, why in the world did Jehonadab tell his descendants to do that? I have no idea. If you figure that out, please tell me. All that we know, now we know about Jehonadab from earlier scriptures. If you go back and study in 1 Kings, his name comes up. If you search it, you'll find his name in other places. But <clears throat> it's not, not really ever explained why he gave his descendants this instruction. But he said, he said that you're going to do this. You know, you're part of my family. Now, we all do these kind of things, right? I mean, Hopefully you tell, if you've got kids or grandkids, certain things you say, now look, this is the Christian thing to do or the right thing to do. But sometimes you're going to say, <coughs> you know what, you're going to do this because you're a Lee, okay? And this is what Lees do. This is the way we, you know, you use your family name and you say, this is how we live in our family. So here's um, Jehonadab, and he's saying, hey, 
Rechabites. This is how we're going to live. Now, the interesting part about this, why does this group, why does this story come up? I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. God, you know, kind of taps Jeremiah on the shoulder and says, uh, Jeremiah, I got something interesting for you today. I want you to call the Rechabites, and I want you to call them into the temple. And this is interesting, right? So in the temple complex, and there was rooms off of the main area, call them into one of those rooms, sit them down, and I want you to offer them a drink of wine. Now, for the most of the Jews, that was no big deal. Um, but for them, and, you know, it was interesting. They had every opportunity in the world to go ahead and drink that wine that was set in front of them, right? I mean, it was so long ago, and, <clears throat> man, that, we don't even know why we're still doing this, and, and we don't even live in the same place we used to, and, and this is a prophet of God, and he's offering it, and he's telling us to do it. <clears throat> but something within them had been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and every new generation hearing from their fathers and mothers before them as Rechabites, this is how we live. We don't buy houses, we don't plant crops, and we don't drink wine. <coughs> and so they actually refuse the prophet of God. They say, sorry, but I can't have this. <coughs> now, that's exactly what God wanted to have happen. God was not tempting them. God was testing them. God was using them as a living example against the people who had uh, disobeyed him. So he was a, here's your blank for you blank fillers, enters, enters and followers. The faithfulness of the Rechabites was a contrast to the sin of Judah. <clears throat> here's the deal. God had been speaking through Jeremiah for about three chapters, the past three chapters, coming up to this chapter, and basically he was saying to Judah, which is the southern part of the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom had already been destroyed and taken away into captivity, but the southern kingdom still existed, and even though they saw what happened up here, that these folks, their, their uh, cousins or their close family, the other tribes that they had split off from, they knew that they disobeyed God and they'd been punished. And these down here, they saw it all happen and yet they were going the same direction, even though they knew what was going to happen and there'd been warning after warning. <coughs> and so God says to them, and he's been making a case against them, and basically, this is his finest and greatest exhibit. As he says, Judah, all you folks in the south, you in the Bible belt, you think that you're better than everybody else. You think that, that you're, you know, you're so, so Christian, that you're so worthy. But guess what? You're going down the same path. I want to contrast your disobedience to a family who knows how to obey. Thank you. And so he makes that comparison. Here's these folks and how they've obeyed their forefather. And here's you, not just listening to a human being, but to God himself. And yet you still disobey. You still do not hear my voice and do what we ought to do. So I want us to think about this family. Oh, by the way, that that thing that was carried down, 
It wasn't just a generation or two or three, 50 or 100. It was 300 years after he died, his family was still following the plans that he had laid out for how they were supposed to live. All right, now, to the second part of this message, this is the application here. Question number one, what are your family traditions? What are your family holiday traditions? That's the blank, holiday traditions. Now, there's some space there, and I'm going to give you about, I don't know, 30 seconds or so to jot down on your piece of paper or in your phone notes or whatever, what are your family traditions? This is just for you. I'm not going to take them up, okay? They're not going to be graded. But you think about what are your family traditions, family holiday traditions. Next, what are the values that have been passed down in your family? Okay, so here's the difference. We, first, I'm asking about family holiday traditions. That's talking about the special pie or the, the dressing or the whatever that, that mama makes and that recipe that got passed down or, or we all go to this house. You know, mama leaves is where we go or whatever. That's the tradition. When I'm talking about values now, I'm talking about what are the things that in your family, the values, the things that really matter, the things that are stressed of importance, son, this is the way I want you to be. Baby girl, this is the way. Don't ever do, we don't do this, or this is how we should live. It may be about hard work, or it may be about some certain people that you avoid, or some certain thing that you do. Take a moment and reflect on what values your parents or your grandparents pass down to you and jot down a couple of those. Number three, about your family. Can you identify any family tendencies that are destructive or sinful? Any family tendencies that are destructive or sinful? This could be a lot of different things. Um, perhaps uh, there is just a negative spirit that is passed down, and, and, and you are in a family where, you know, <clears throat> you've heard you're never going to amount to anything, or you've... Everything's on the darker negative side. <clears throat> Maybe it's a family that there's some traditions of basically not just following God, just saying, hey, that whole religious stuff is not for us. 
Maybe in your family there's a, a tendency toward alcoholism or other substance abuse. Maybe there's something about your emotions and the way you let yourself behave, and you've just said, well, that's just who we are. I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and said, well, I have a quick temper, but <laughs> that's just how we Smiths are. I mean, we're like that. Granny was like that. Mama was like that. I'm like that. I can't help it. We, we just tell it like it is, you know. Or, or yours as a family that, um, you know, loves to gossip or loves to talk or whatever. So this is just being honest. And again, this is not for anybody else to see, but just for you. But be honest with yourself. Uh, is it laziness or is it whatever? Is there any kind of negative or destructive habits that you see, you've seen in your parents or grandparents that you say, you know what, I don't want that to happen anymore. I don't want to see that happening in the future. If you can think of things like that, take a few moments to write them down. Number four, what family legacy do you hope endures for 300 years? What family legacy do you hope endures, or if you don't like that word, lasts, carries on, however you want to say it? We, we don't often think much past, you know, next week or getting the month's bills paid, or maybe we think to retirement if we're long-term planners. But if you had a chance to say not only what my children and not only what their children, but their children's children and their children's children. And, and maybe you don't have children, but what about my niece or my nephew? I've had uncles and aunts who've had incredible influences on my life. Or what about somebody I mentor, some kid that I've taken an interest in? If I could implant something into their life that would carry on in their family for 300 years, what would that be? If I could just change something, if I could make something last and make something count that was a legacy that carried on in my family, what would it be? Take a moment and write down your thoughts about that. As we close up today, I want you to think about two things. Number one, <clears throat> I want you to think about what kind of person um, Jehonadab had to have been. 
Because I want to say that if he was sorry, that if he mistreated his family, if he didn't really love them, if they didn't respect him, if he was anything else than a man of God who lived a life of love and goodness and righteousness, do you think that people would be following his words 300 years later? I don't think so. I think they'd say, I'm not going to do what Pop said. I don't want to be like him. Why would I live out his rules? But what kind of person was he? And what kind of person do you need to be if you're going to influence the generations that come after you? We live in a society that values instantaneous, what's now, what's today, and maybe what's tomorrow. But we hardly think about the future. We hardly think about things that last and that matter. And this old guy, Jehonadab, had a group of people, the Rechabites, who so valued and so listened and so honored his life that when he said, folks, I know everybody else in Israel can grow vineyards. I know everybody else in Israel can plant crops. I know everybody else in Israel, uh, they can build houses. But God has said for us in our house, this is the way that we're to live. But that man was so honored that generation after generation after generation, even when they were tempted in the greatest way, you want some wine? They said, no, because this is the way we live. We need to have an impact on our generations, on our families, like the Rechabites were impacted. And we need to obey God most of all. We need to listen to him and carry on his promises to every generation as he's called us to. Would you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, I come to you and, God, I understand that sometimes the things that you call us to, and not just what's in the Bible, but sometimes you give us convictions about certain things in our lives, and, and other Christians don't have those convictions, and that's fine. You don't want us to throw our convictions on them. You don't want us to be legalists, burdening and tying down others. But God, when you put something on us and you say, this is how I want you to live or this is how I want your family to live. God, you call for us to be obedient. And you also call for us to lead others into the next generation and the next and the next. That we might leave a legacy of godliness of holiness, that those who come after us will look back and they'll say, I want to live a life, even if I don't understand everything, why they did what they did, I want to live a life like them. And our legacy would carry on long beyond our own graves, our own lives here on this earth. Father, help us to honor you and to honor those that go before us. Sometimes the best way we can honor those who went before us is to depart from their legacy when their legacy is not one of godliness. Help us to change that family pattern into a godly legacy. Lord, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
as we come now to our time of invitation, it's your opportunity.